0: The Chasing Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and today you're listening to episode three, season one, with Neely Spence Gracie. Neely is a professional distance runner for Adidas. She is 27 years old and she competes in distances from the 5,000 meters to the marathon, although she's currently kind of seems focusing on the marathon. She's twice represented our country at the IAAF World Cross Country Championships, and she was the top non-African runner in 2013. She also ran at the 2011 Pan American Games. Neely attended Shippensburg University and won eight NCAA Division II titles. And she ran her first half marathon in 2013, but then made her marathon debut at the 2016 Boston Marathon where she won, or was the top American by her. She's the daughter of former marathon runner Steve Spence, and this episode was honestly just such a pleasure. Um, Neely is very brave and very open about her goals and her dreams. Um, She is a very big believer that you know it's not so much about the attainment of the goal; it's more about being willing to say, "Hey, this is what I'm going for," and this is what I'm, you know, this is what I'm shooting for. And just kind of putting it all out there, which is really, really hard to do. But honestly, what this show is all about, Um, you know, chasing bravery. And that's certainly what she's doing um, every step of the way. So without further ado, let's get to our podcast episode. Um, Guys, I apologize if this seems a little bit awkward. To be honest, for me, it is because it's a brand new thing. I'm not used to being a podcast host. It was definitely not necessarily my calling in life. Although I'm really excited about this and I am hoping and I'm, you know, pretty confident that I will continue to get better at it as the time goes. Um, It's kind of funny because even though there's nobody here and I'm sitting and recording this in like my basement, I kind of feel like I'm on the spot and maybe public speaking a little bit. Um, And so I kind of need to figure out a way to get over the fact that I am not in front of a crowd <laughs> and uh, and just talk, so if I seem like I'm kind of, you know, picking and choosing my words very carefully, it's because I am, and I appreciate everyone for bearing with me. All right, now let's get to the episode. So I am sorry to have, to, you, have you do this again, but I'm just going to have you introduce yourself one more time. Okay, um, yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: Now that I have practice. Yeah, exactly. I am Neely Gracie, I am 27, I'm a professional distance runner for Adidas. I own my own business called Get Running and I have a communication degree and a coaching minor from Shivansburg University.
0: <laughs> all right, awesome. Um, <laughs> Okay, so the first thing that I want to ask you um, is how you became a professional runner. Um, Because I am not a professional runner myself, but I know that the path to running um, and just becoming a runner in general is typically kind of complicated um, and it's not always as seamless and linear as people might assume it is. and especially you know, when you are running in college and then taking that next step, um, it's often you know something that you have to consider and really think about. Um, so how how did you go from being a collegiate athlete to being a professional athlete?
1: It all started at a very specific race, my junior year of track. I was, competing in the 5k at Mount Sac and it was my first time ever traveling for a big race like that and i ended up running over a 30 second pr and i broke 16 for the first time i believe i ended up 7th in the race and ran 1533 and at that point that was when i realized wow all the girls that are be- that beat me are professional runners and that was um, the moment where it became real that I could be a, a professional runner as well. But it definitely wasn't a seamless transition. Uh, I ended up turning pro after my senior year of cross country because I, it was an Olympic year and I was, a look, I was looking ahead at the 2012 Olympic trials and realizing that I had just made a world team for cross country, and so my cross country season was going to be extended through January, and then I would be aiming for the Olympic trials in June. And trying to fit a co- two indoor and an outdoor collegiate seasons into that time frame just wasn't going to make a ton of sense to set me up for the best outcome, and. I ended up turning pro, and in my first race as a professional, I broke my foot. So things did not start off on the right foot at (laughs) all. (laughs) Um, So unfortunately, that injury ended up keeping me out of the 2012 Olympic trials, and it did allow me to figure out how to sort of make that transition between collegiate running and professional running. Uh, so I was able to figure out where I wanted to go, uh, sign a contract, you know, establish myself with a team and it gave me the opportunity to do that since I wasn't in the middle of a racing season. So it all ended up working out just fine. I ended up going on that fall and, Running a lot, PRs in almost every distance, uh, dabbling on the roads a bit, finishing second and third at U.S. championships, and uh, competing uh, on two world teams that fall and then into the winter. So my next year was great, uh, but that, that first spring as a professional did not go the way I had imagined.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine that that was, um, you know, Frustrating to say the least, but Mm -hmm. also, um, you know, it, I think that when you, um, have sort of an idea for yourself about the way things are going to go and then they go kind of the opposite, um, it can be a real challenge to find the motivation to continue on that path. Um, especially when it's like your physical body that you're talking about. And so, um, you know, it's like a constant reminder that it's you know something's not going right, and you know, physically, like breaking your foot is a huge deal. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I Im- imagine that it took a lot of um, a lot of perseverance and and bravery on your part to decide, like, okay, you know, this is a setback, and I'm gonna push forward and um, and make this happen. Um, so, yeah. I can't even imagine (laughs) I had, um, I had, let's see, I had five stress fractures over the course of my collegiate running. Um, but that was because I was a walk-on, a division three (laughs) walk-on and so my body wasn't ready for high mileage and, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, on such a small scale though, it was like every single time that happened, I felt like it just was like this huge setback, Um, and to make myself, you know, go back and, you know, start training again and start that process was really difficult. Um, what was it like trying to sort of like claw your way back to fitness? Um,
1: well, I think it's interesting that you say that it was on a different scale because it's really not like any runner who is dealing with an injury is going through the exact same emotions Mm -hmm. because, Running is not just something we do. It's a lot of what we do
0: each day. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so it's a very big part of our life. And when it's taken from us, it's awful because we don't feel like ourselves. And so any runner knows exactly how it feels whenever you're dealing with an injury and you can't do what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was. It was difficult. There were definitely a lot of tears shed. And I remember being like, okay, I'm like really going to psych myself up. I'm going to be super motivated to cross train like crazy. And I got so into cross training, um, that I completely fried myself. Like I overdid (gasps) cross training where I would do like two hours on the bike. And then I go and do an hour in the pool. And after a few weeks of that, I couldn't do it anymore. And I just had this like huge emotional breakdown because I wasn't able to run and I didn't love anything I was doing. And I was just like wearing myself into the ground mentally and physically. And so I remember the one day I just sat on the edge of the pool and I was just bawling. And I was like, I don't want to get in. I don't want to do this. Like I hate my life right now. And at that point, I was like, okay, you need to stop doing what you're doing because you are not happy with yourself. You're not happy with any of your goals anymore. And like, you need to focus on getting healthy so that you can get back to where you want to be. And that was the point where I realized, okay, I need to take a step back. Cross training is great because it gives us that little bit of, you know, energy release and helps us psychologically feel a little bit better. And it does ease the transition back to training a bit. But for me, I find I can't cross-train like crazy. If I have a major injury, I have to take a little bit of time off. And then I can cross-train, you know, one to two hours a day mm-hmm. versus four to five hours a day like yeah. I was trying to do, which is just not something that's sustainable.
0: Right. Well, and I really like I really like what you said about how um... – it's not, you know, it is all on the same scale because, you know, if you're a runner, you're a runner. And so when you try to be a cross trainer, you feel like you're putting on a <laughs> pair of shoes or an outfit or whatever, whatever the saying yeah. is that just doesn't fit. Um, and and I don't know. I don't know if you experienced this, but I had a moment because I actually um, – did the same thing. I was so upset that I was injured and, and also so upset that I was injured on such a large scale. I think Mm -hmm. I felt, um, so the reason why I'm telling this is it's kind of a question, um, is, Mm -hmm. is so when I got my first stress fracture, that was like, it was a stress fracture that then had like turned into an actual fracture. Mm -hmm. I had this feeling of like, what the heck did I do wrong? Like, how did I manage to injure myself so severely? Um, Mm -hmm. and then also felt like, I don't know, maybe even like a little bit judged by, um, my coaches and my teammates, because Mm -hmm. I just had this like major injury that, you know, most people don't just get out of the blue, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it really did happen that way. Um, and, and so I think I was just like trying extra, extra hard to, um, to stay in shape. But I just, I had a moment where I was like, I hate exercise because of like that, like I am like starting to resent every single aspect of this whole, um, this whole sport, and it made me also like resent just like my own physical self. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that if you had similar emotions having such a you know like severe injury.
1: Definitely, it's really challenging because it's like you feel your body betrayed you mm-hmm. and. It's an awful feeling because when you're, you know, in sync with your body and you're training and things are going smoothly and you're just crushing workouts and you go out and you run and you don't even feel like you went for a run and it just feels so effortless, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's like that runner's high, right? Yeah. Like we, we thrive on that. And of course, not every day is that way, but... When all of a sudden you can't run because your body shut down on you, it's awful. And you do, you feel betrayed by your own body. And I felt very similar to you where, you know, I, at first it was like, okay, I'm going to do all these things and like, (laughs) I'm going to make my body work with me. And then you realize like, you can't force your body to do anything it's not wanting to do. And giving your body the ability and permission to heal itself is not an easy thing to let go because you've already lost control of your goals and everything that you feel you were in control of. And now you're supposed to like... Give control to your body that just betrayed you to heal itself. And it's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. But once you're able to, you know, recognize that and let go, is when the healing can really begin. Mm -hmm. And. Also, the thing that I found is for anyone who is dealing with an injury out there, really finding a solid support system is so critical. You know, having people who are like, you need to just rest. Rest is okay. That's how you're going to recover. That's how you're going to heal. Um, and not having someone breathing down your back or, you know, feeling like you're making it up or you're not pushing hard enough or you should be doing X, Y, Z and you're not. Listen to your body, figure out what you need, and then find someone who can help support it so that it can heal most efficiently and you can get back to doing what you want to do.
0: I love that. That's great advice. Um, Also, on that same note, um, what kind of advice would you give to, say, a collegiate athlete who... Um, you know, is kind of in that mode of, like, running's going great, I feel good, I'm achieving, I'm, you know, I'm running PRs, um, I'm crushing workouts, but there's this little thing in my foot that feels kind of funny, or, I mean, I guess where I'm going with this this question is that um, in hindsight, when I look back, I realize that I spent a lot of my career kind of ignoring like little aches and pains and like little things that I probably should have, um, been a lot more aware of, but, you know, I felt probably pressure that didn't exist to continue to achieve when Mm -hmm. I really should have had the, um, I should have been able to say to my coach or whoever, like, look, like something doesn't feel right. I don't necessarily know if I'm injured right now, but, um, you know, something doesn't feel great. Um, I I think that that kind of conversation can be really hard, especially for really young college athletes, like 18, 19 year olds. Um, I think it can be a really hard conversation to have. Do you have any advice for them in terms of how to go about that? Um, and and just you know how to not feel so bad themselves that you know it it you know it's a part of the running process sometimes things you know need a little bit of time to heal even if it's not necessarily an injury you might be preventing yeah. an injury <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Honestly, I think that's hard for anyone, no matter Mm. what age you are. It is really challenging to acknowledge that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And once you verbally tell someone about it, that means that you are recognizing that there is an issue. Mm. And that's really scary. So. I, I mean, I go through this multiple times per season uh, where something flares up and, you know, it's like, okay, do I acknowledge this? How do I approach this? And typically what I find is, yes, acknowledging that there's something going on trying to figure out and pinpoint what it is, seeing that person that you trust to help you through it. So whether you have a trainer or a physical therapist or a doctor of some sort, someone who has you know an expert eye who can really look at it and give you some feedback regarding where this you know the spot is located, how the swelling is, whatever it is um, that's troubling you, just so you can get some more information on it. The other rule of thumb that I like to uh, tell my athletes that I coach and I try to follow myself is if it doesn't warm up within 10 minutes, then you need to stop. Mm -hmm. Because if it takes more than 10 minutes for whatever it is to loosen up and go away, then you shouldn't be running. And that has really saved me. In the past, whenever there's something that flares up and I realize, oh, wow, like I'm 10 minutes into a run and it's still present, Mm. then stop because you're just going to do more damage to your body if you continue to push through it.
0: I really like that. That is good advice and probably <laughs> advice that I should take myself. Um, <laughs> we all. For sure. Way easier said than done. <laughs> I know. And my boyfriend would love hearing that right now. He coaches me and um, he would be like, yes, see, this is what I'm saying. If it's still hurting after 10 minutes, you need to stop. <laughs> yeah, Because I'm bad. Like I'll go on. I was training for a marathon um, and I it was kind of a failed cycle. I ended up having a surgery. Um that was unexpected, but I would, when I was in the training cycle, I, um, towards the end of it, I was actually, something was bothering me. Um, and I would come back from like a, 16 mile run and be like yeah like I don't know like I was hurting the whole time and he would be like what are you doing why are you doing this like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you should <Come> on. <laughs> yeah like you are way like you should know so much better than that because mm-hmm. you have already been through so many injuries and but just like you said it's hard at every single stage to be like exactly. hey look something doesn't feel right um yep. and I don't know I, I mean I guess I I do know why that is but at the same time there's a lot of it that is just, I think comes down to a lot of like, just like pride. And I think that, you know, running is something that a lot of us, you know, who do it take a lot of pride in. It's part of our identity. And um, it
1: totally is. And the other part about that is, yes, it's part of our identity, but we're also planners and we have a plan and we have a schedule and my schedule said this, so I'm Mm going to do it. Right, Like my training
0: log. And I really want to put that x next to the thing on my training exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. and yeah. when I tally up my miles at the end of this week it needs to be this
0: oh for um. sure yeah yeah absolutely and you're like okay and if I don't do this and you know I'm not progressing at this rate then what is it going to mean for you know I don't know it's you know it is hard to be a runner
1: <laughs> it is I don't I've, know why we chose this sport sometimes.
0: Well, and I I tend to also just find that um runners in general are kind of think very similarly. I feel like there's a lot of um a lot of idiosyncrasies that I notice um kind of across the board. Um, oh, absolutely. And that's yeah.
1: why we chose this because absolutely. we're very similar. <laughs> and I I love it because almost every single runner I meet, I feel like we can connect. I feel Mm -hmm. like we have gone through so many of the same situations. We have so much to talk about. You can start a run with a complete stranger Mm -hmm. and you finish best friends because the walls are down. Like you, you have no barriers up and I love that part about the sport.
0: Yeah, me too. And, um, That actually kind of leads me to another thing that I was going to ask you about. Um, So uh, for me, I come from a family of runners. And so even though I didn't run in high school um, or middle school, um, I was a very strange human in that I literally (laughs) decided I was going to be a runner in college. um, Mm -hmm. and, And then, you know. I love it, um, but but I, I come from a family of runners, and so my mom is an ultra marathoner, um, and even my grandmother, who is seventy nine, she still runs six more uh, miles every morning.
1: That's awesome.
0: I know, yeah, and she likes to run hills because she says it straightens her back. Um, mm, there so, you go. Which, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's, like, a ton of logic to that. But she, she feels – Whatever works. Exactly, right. She feels straighter after she runs. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, but I know that you come from a running family. So um, how – oh, how do I want to ask the question? Um, I guess just tell me about that, how that shaped who you are and um, shapes the runner that you are and – um and shapes the relationship that you have with your parents now in terms of the fact that you have this shared thing.
1: Absolutely, so for those of you who don't necessarily know my story, I was born while my dad was running the Boston Marathon. So I guess it was inevitable that at some point I'd have to find a love for running. And that happened in eighth grade whenever I watched the Foot Locker National Championships for high school on TV. And my dad was telling me how this was like the Olympics for high school. And they fly you out there and you get to like stay in this fancy hotel and they give you all this free stuff. And I was like, well, I want to do this. This sounds awesome. And he's (laughs) like, "Like, they're really, really good athletes. Like this is the top 40 best athletes in the country. And I was like, okay. And I'm going (laughs) to do that next year. And he's like, Yeah, well, it takes a lot of work. And I was like, okay, tell me what to do. (laughs) And from that moment on, I started training and I ran a 22 minute 5K, like my first week of training. It was a turkey trot. So, this is like my 14 year anniversary of running (laughs) um, this week. Oh, nice. Yes. So, I ran a 22 minute 5K. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. You know, like I just have to take four minutes off. I took <laughs> just like four
0: minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And I was like, I did a turkey trot a couple years earlier, like not training, and I ran with my grandma, <laughs> um, who m- my grandparents are runners as well.
0: Oh, awesome. And.
1: Uh, I think I was like nine and I ran like a 29 minute 5k and I was like, man, I just took like five or what is that? Seven minutes. I just took seven minutes off my 5k PR. Like I can totally take another four. You're
0: like so this running me- thing. I'll be down to a three minute 5k in no time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>
1: um, So I think there is a little bit of like ignorance is bliss when yeah. it comes to like just starting out. Totally. And there's also that like you have the runner's age. Mm. So when you first start running, you're going to improve so much quicker, quicker than someone who's been running for now 14 years, where it's like, you know, I have worked for years to try to shave a second or two off my 5k, (laughs) where, you know, then it was like, I was taking a minute or more every time. So that was in November. In January, I ran 1956 for 5k. Mm -hmm. And I was like, see, I told you this is gonna be easy. (laughs) So then in March, I ran, um, I think, no, in February, I ran 1856. Okay. And I was like, another minute gone. And then in March, I actually ended up running 1742 on the roads for nice. 5K. <laughs> um, and it was one of those races where my, my dad, who was coaching me at the time, was completely shocked by my performance. I was shocked by my performance. I was not expecting to run that fast. Yeah. Um, and so that's when it really started became, come real. Yeah. You know, It had only been a few months of focus. And I had significantly increased my, um, you know, opportunities for what my goals were. And so I, again, was just like, tell me what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I am so motivated. And once I saw that success, it really took off from there. And I was like, I will work hard. I will do whatever. Um, And so that year, I made it to nationals for uh, the mile um, in track. And I ran 509 going into my freshman year of high school, and I finished second at nationals. So I was like, okay, I'm poised, I'm ready. And I ended up 14th year to nationals. Worked a whole other year. I ran 1830 and finished 19th. And I was... Are you there? Yeah, hey. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, did you fine. get
0: I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Um so I ran um my sophomore year, I ran like almost 20 seconds faster than I had my freshman year, but I finished 19th mm-hmm. and I was devastated yeah. because I had moved back only 10 go and now I was nine spots back instead of 4. Um, But then I trained really hard, I was really focused, and my junior year ended up winning the regional and going to nationals and getting eighth at nationals. And then senior year, I won regionals and ended up fourth at nationals. So that was pretty much my high school career, um, where I just chipped away at these goals and Um, You know, obviously, once I made that really big jump early on, I didn't improve a ton um, from that point forward. I think I ended up finishing um, my senior year running 17-17 for 5K. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when I started to, uh, you know, become more of an elite um, and uh, I could only make small progressions each year. Right. Versus those big ones, but then I went. I ran in college, um, and I finished. I guess I won eight national titles in college. I ran Division Two at Shippensburg University, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed the level of competition that I was up against because not every race was all out. Um, we had a really good, strong team dynamic. Um, there, our team was very competitive within our conference, so mm-hmm. we were very unified in the goal of winning the conference championships, going to nationals, and all those things. So it was really fun to get to be a part of the team's success. Yeah. And those years were so meaningful to me and really helped me fall in love with the sport even more. So after college, that's when I you know, started to do this whole professional thing. Mm -hmm. I really look back on my collegiate experience as a very positive one because it helped me love the sport and want to keep it in my life. And I'm very grateful for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was wondering wondering. about the division two, um, because I, 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 I had a really similar experience um I didn't really know that I was gonna be um a good a good runner for division three um mm-hmm. and and then found that you know I was just so so grateful that 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 was the level that I was competing at because. You know, there were so many meets where I would, you know, run it as a workout or I would run it, um, you know, more as like a team effort. And that was just like so much fun. It made me just, I don't know, it made me, um, it made me stay like hungry, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also graduated feeling like, wow, I have so much unfinished like business, which wasn't really a bad thing necessarily because um, I can foresee myself really loving and, you know, wanting to be competitive for a really long time now at this point, because, you know, it just I, I just didn't get it all out of my system in college. Um, and it sounds like you kind of had a similar.
1: A similar yeah Yeah, um, I really like the idea. And I don't necessarily think it's we we put so much emphasis on what division the sport yeah. is, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say it's necessarily a division to division thing. I think it's more of a coach and athletic department uh, approach. Yes, I agree. And so, yeah. you know, if you have a coach and an athletic department who are about success as well as personal victories, um, you know, not not just emphasizing winning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you can create the right culture, then everyone can grow as people and as individuals and academically and athletically. And you can become this really well-rounded person that's not only going to help you be a better athlete, but it's going to help you in whatever you pursue after college, because not every single person in college uh, who is a, a you know student athlete is going to become a professional athlete. Right. So they need to have a lot of tools <laughs> outside of just um, you know being able to crush it on the track or on the cross country course.
0: Right. That's so true. And it's such a, it's actually such a small majority of athletes that go on to, um, you know, regardless of the sport that you're playing, that go on to, um, actually have that, you know, collegiate sport become their profession. And so I, I'm so glad that you made that distinction because (laughs) I agree. I think that, um, if you have a coach that recognizes that the skills that they're implementing in their athletes, it's really more about sort of, um, creating just overall good people who are well-rounded and who have a healthy appreciation for, um, you know, competition and then how that translates into other areas of their life. I think that that makes a world of a difference. Um, and I just, I just wish that everyone who, you know, was part of a collegiate team or ran, you know, who is a collegiate athlete had that experience because I've heard a lot of horror stories for sure. Um, Oh, I know. mm -hmm. And that's
1: so heartbreaking whenever they lose their love for the sport because of the program and the approach that is taken with them as an athlete, because there are definitely coaches and programs out there who they see you as a number and you are completely dispensable um, and you're, they do more of like a, you know, we're going to throw a million eggs against the wall and the ones that don't break are the ones that are going to be really good. And we don't really care about all the ones that shatter. Um, and for me, that's the opposite of how I coach. I want to create a really strong, positive environment, a good culture. I would rather see someone err on the side of a little under-trained, but enjoying the training and loving what they're doing and being excited about their goals, then feeling like they are putting their, you know, everything into this goal and it becomes more of a job than something that they look forward to.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It, yeah, it's sad. It's so sad. Yeah, and and comparatively, I would come home and talk to, um, you know, friends of mine who were running, um, you know, at like the division one level, um, mm-hmm. and. And, you know, as we've, like, progressed into, like, adulthood, like, post-collegiate life, um, you know, I am starting to notice how, you know, I, I'm i still able to train because I'm still overall healthy despite my many stress fractures that had mm-hmm. nothing to do with my coaching and everything <laughs> to do with the fact that you don't go from running you know, ten miles a week to fifty miles a week without breaking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, yeah. So,
0: like, that's a thing and not <laughs> recommended to anyone. Um, but, but yeah. But so, you know, I'm I'm still healthy and um, and so many of my friends who have had not so wonderful experiences, mm-hmm. um, I'm finding that like I'm I'm running faster times than they ever ran. Um, but it's only because I still, I still want to run. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, you are way more talented than I am. But (laughs) unfortunately, you know, someone broke you and, and, you know, I just, it, um, it's a shame, especially I think for women in particular, I think that it's very easy to have that experience, especially if you're someone who, um, is very talented, but you are going through um, a lot of your sort of just natural body changes in your first few years of college. I think that mm-hmm. that freshman, senior year, um, there's a period of time where women tend to get a little slower, and I think that's natural. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know if you witnessed that at all um, in other programs or even a little bit on your team, but I just. I found that that, that's a big part of running for women and why a lot of women start to move away from the sport. All right, this conversation that we're having is really important, and we're going to get back to it, but I'm kind of rambling, and I'm not letting Neely get much of a word in edgewise, so I'm going to take a quick moment to talk to you about a really amazing product. Iron Doggy is a company that makes really amazing leashes for running with your dogs, and We really love the fact that they were designed by women themselves. So the leash is a comfortable, safe way to run with your dog, and it is a worry-free option. To learn more about how you can buy the leash, you can go to my website, www.chasingbravery.com, and follow the links to the notes on Neely's episode. Or you can go and visit their website, www.irondoggie.com. All right, back to the show. Definitely.
1: It's actually really interesting that we're talking about this because I just listened to Allie on the Run uh, podcast yesterday. Oh, the episode with... um With Allie Kiefer.
0: Yes, 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 yes. We talked
1: about this precisely. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And as they were discussing it, I was like, that is such a good point and something that is not talked about enough. I know. And there totally is that transitional time where your body is basically hitting like peak fertile time where you, right. your system, like everything shifts so that you can become pregnant and have a baby because right. that's naturally what you're supposed to do when you hit 20. Yeah. And,
0: um, eighteen <laughs> exactly.
1: And so they say like, doctors say that is your prime time when mm. you are like the, you know, most ready for that process to occur. Mm. And so, yeah, your body is focusing on that and not on getting faster as a runner. And (laughs) uh, you go through this transition and every woman hits this moment where, yes, your body is changing and you have to let the changes occur while working with your system. And it's totally doable. I mean, I had the changes, of course, but because I was moderately trained, I wasn't, you know, doing 100 mile weeks right. my senior year of high school, um, you know, and I was, e- I eased into college where I didn't go from, okay, this is what I was doing as a high school runner to now doing double that in college. It was just the normal, natural one step up. Um, and so I experienced success as a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that was because one, my dad was coaching me in high school and he continued coaching me in college. He was my coach at Shippensburg university. And so I didn't have to make a coaching switch. Yes. I made the transition from high school academics to collegiate academics Mm -hmm. and the switch from High school athletics to collegiate athletics, Um, but I didn't have all everything in my whole life changing. I didn't move away from home. I was still in, you know, I I lived at home my freshman year. I was still in that bubble, so I didn't have as many changes that a lot of freshmen in college experience, Mm -hmm. which is also super stressful on the body because not only are things shifting and changing, but you're also experiencing all these new things. You're on your own for the first time. You're dealing with so many new stresses. You are eating at the dining hall. You've never eaten outside of your family's house before. So now you have all you know the the um, distractions <laughs> that can come with um, being in college. Yeah. The opportunity for partying and drinking and all of that that maybe you wouldn't get when you're still in high school because you're still living at home mm-hmm. so there's so many different changes that happen that year and I wouldn't say it's just because your body is shifting around a bit right. um but yes I think every female runner goes through a period where your body is changing and you have to make those conscious decisions um I personally, you know, went through that in college where I think between my sophomore year and my junior year, things really shifted and I ended up, um, you know, focusing a lot more on, okay, I, I think that I need to lose weight. I think I need to get leaner and, um, you know, I wanted to change myself physio- physiologically um, mm-hmm. to look like a distance runner.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Fact, I I now realize that if you try to do what you think in your mind is what a distance runner looks like, it's probably not gonna go over very well and it's probably going to lead to injuries, illness, and ultimately a uh, destructive path. That will not take you towards your goals. And so I do think that a lot of female runners, in particularly distance-focused athletes, go through this period of transition where they're trying to figure out, okay, what is my strong and lean race weight and – oftentimes it bounces back and forth a little bit where it starts because you think you're a little bit on the heavier side. And then you have, you go to too light and then you realize that doesn't work. And then you establish that medium, um, of what is best. And, you know, this is my personal opinion, but I do think that, almost every female runner experiences this to some extent and those who figure it out and come out stronger and better and more whole become their best selves and those are the ones that can continue to pursue running at a high level um and you know are going to be the healthiest and the strongest throughout their whole life those who um continue on that path often it ends not well and it's, it's just, it's not sustainable, um, because your body is going to break down. It can't keep up with the demand of training that you are asking it to do.
0: Absolutely. So for all of you women, all of you girls and women and older women and, um, you know, the whole spectrum of women, um, it, you know, just let it happen, stick with it, and know that you know it. Your body is smarter than you are when it comes <laughs> to knowing what weight it needs to be at, and it definitely can be awkward, um, especially if you know it's five or ten pounds that you're not used to having on you. Um, but you know it's it's probably there for a reason, and it will all balance itself out. Um, I experienced it. Sounds like you experienced it too. Yep. And and I know personally, I am certainly like a quote unquote bigger runner, um, but I tend to be my fastest and strongest when I let my body be at its natural weight. And the other thing I found is that. I um, have pretty much been about the same weight since I was like 15, mm-hmm. um, give or take some pounds depending on like the season. Mm-hmm. But if I start to try to go too far, you know, below like my natural happy weight, that's when everything goes wrong. Um, exactly. And I, so I think I, I think you're 100 percent correct that we yeah. Have, and I like I that think balance. It-
1: Absolutely. And it's all about finding that balance. I think it's really important to, uh, you know, emphasize a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're like eating cake for every meal and you're, (laughs) you know, drinking every night or whatever, (laughs) like you're not going to be your healthiest self and you shouldn't expect to have, you know, a good body physique. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if you're taking care of yourself, Um, you know, fueling yourself with, I like that like 80, 20 rule, like Mm -hmm. 80% nutritious, beneficial food to help fuel, you know, your goals and your body forward. And then indulge about 20% where you, you know, have your sweets, have your drinks, whatever it is um, that you want to have. And so it should never be just like completely, you know, this cut and dry all the time. Um, you know, it's important to find that balance of, you know, living a healthy lifestyle that's very full and makes you happy. Uh, And when you're happy is when you're going to be your best you, no matter whether that is with running or life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think as a woman also, it's important to remember, um, you know, when you're a young woman it might not seem like a reality or you know it seems like a distant thing that at some point you might have the role of being a mother and carrying children um but you know our bodies are meant to do that for a reason and so um you know you don't want to start to take away your body's natural ability to do um to do those things um
1: yeah. And that's one thing that's another issue that is never touched on mm-hmm. is the issue of amenorrhea, right? Yep. Where yep. You're, you don't get your period. And again, I struggled with that. So between that sophomore and junior year of college, I stopped getting mine and I didn't have it for four years. Okay. And during that time I had multiple stress fractures because my bone density decreased because I was not getting my period. Um, my body, literally my blood, uh, results showed that my body thought it was menopause, like that. I just was like a hundred years old and wasn't ever (laughs) going to get my period again. Um, and so that was devastating, you know, because it was really scary. Like, why did it go away? What do I need to do to change this? And, you know, I only had that period of like figuring out, um, the weight and the eating and all of that, uh, for a year, but it took three years after that for my body to reset and get back to where it was healthy and happy again. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was amazing how it's, it's a long-term effect on the system. And I, really think that it's something that's never talked about and not emphasized enough that if you are getting your period consistently, then that shows that your hormones and your adrenals and everything are so much more happy and they're functioning smoothly Mm -hmm. and your whole body is going to be happier and healthier as a result. And if you lose your period, you need to figure out why. It's not always because of amenorrhea. There's, uh, or amenorrhea is not always because of anorexia or, you know, disordered eating. Um, There are many different reasons why you might not be getting your period. Um, For example, my issue that I since have found out um, is that I have an elevated prolactin level. And as runners, Um, They're finding that this is really common for amenorrheic runners. If you have a healthy body weight um, and you're not getting your period to get your prolactin levels checked because our sports bras uh, rub against our nipples and that's what increases prolactin hormone. And so this has become an issue um, amongst female athletes, yeah. So I need to invent like a sports bra that doesn't irritate nipples or something and make millions. Apparently, <laughs> but um, it's it's a my really mind is blown thing. right
0: now. I know, right? I didn't know that and, was a thing.
1: <laughs> yep. and so literally within uh, eight weeks of figuring that out, I got my period back, and it's been no problem for the past five years.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy and, <laughs> and you actually probably should patent something that like 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 ha- like, like a nipple bubble or something that just like exactly. keeps it from like contact or anything. I would totally invest Brilliant. in that that would me for everyone yes, yep. and thank you so much for being um, willing to be honest about. Uh, your nipples, yeah, <laughs> no, was...
1: <laughs> I told you before we started this podcast that I'm pretty open about whatever so.
0: well, I mean, I think that that's great because I think that those are the kinds of things that we don't talk about a lot, mm-hmm. um, and truthfully, you know it, it's just it's just part of it, um, and if you're a runner, that's kind of you know if you're a woman and you're a runner, then you know that sports bras you know rub and chafe and there's all kinds yep. of things that go on with that um, but wow that's crazy I had no idea that that was a thing um, okay so um, I want to talk a little bit about your um, your your future goals um, I am just so impressed with your career thus far um, you know I did I did some research and I mm-hmm you know, was just so impressed by, um, kind of like the, your progression. Um, and I know that you're not, you're not taking huge chunks off your time like you were back when, you know, you were like a little middle schooler. Um, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have a lot of respect for, um, what seems to be such a intentional, um, well thought through, um, plan. Like I, I feel like Mm -hmm. when I look at your, when I look at your history and when I read things about you, I'm like, you know, what I can see where she's going. I can kind of see like what her plan is here and what (laughs) her goal is here. And it seems really smart and really well thought out. Um, and, and so, um, I know it seems like you're leaning towards the marathon. Um, and, and so just and tell me a little bit about that, whatever you want to share.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, I will say that I am a planner, but mm-hmm. as we all know, uh, the, even the best laid plans do not always go, uh, according to what we are looking for. Um, so this past fall I was supposed to run the New York city marathon and they ended up getting a, a bad bout of tendonitis mm. in my foot and I wasn't able to do any quality work for about a month. And at that point it was like, okay, I have to shut down because, uh, I can't run a marathon if I can't <laughs> do workouts. Yeah. Um, so that was really unfortunate. And I was really disappointed to miss that. I started my marathon career in 2016 My initial plan was to run the Olympic trials um, and I didn't feel like I was quite ready by the time that rolled around because it would have been my debut marathon and I felt like my fitness was not where I wanted to be. It felt rushed. I felt like I was going to force it to happen and I didn't want to go into my first ever marathon feeling that way. So I decided to prolong my season and do the Boston Marathon and give myself those extra few months um, of preparation. So 2016 Boston was my debut, and I was the first American. I was ninth overall, and I ran 235. And you rocked it. I was really pleased with it. I ran a super conservative race. I ended up running a 73-second last 400 because <laughs> I was about to vomit. and. Wow. Um, I don't want to puke till I get to the finish line. And so I turned into a sprinter the last 400 meters, which I. Yeah,
0: that is a fast close.
1: So, wow. (laughs) So, I think that maybe I could have paced myself a little bit more aggressively early on, but I had a positive outcome. um, And thankfully, they didn't show that on camera. So,. Um, everyone just got to see like my victory uh, of crossing the finish line, not what happened afterwards. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I really enjoyed that experience. I was super excited to do another marathon. And I did New York last mm-hmm. fall, where I was second American behind Molly Huddle, and I was eighth overall. So I moved up a spot um, in another world major, and I ran 234. So I ran a little bit of a PR, and I was really excited about that. Um, and so after New York, I literally, within an hour of crossing the finish line, I was sitting in drug testing, and I looked at my husband, and I was like, when can I do another one? I'm Aww. so. After finishing the marathon. <laughs> so I'm definitely excited for my next marathon, um, and I think I really do enjoy the challenge of the distance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, the half marathon is my favorite distance because I have it figured out a little more. Um, I know how to pace it, uh, it's easier to recover from, it's not as difficult to train for. So I really love the half marathon distance. Um, this past spring, I was second at the half marathon U.S. championships, and that was you know, a really fun race for me, um, and I look forward to doing more halves in the future as well. But I really am focused on gaining more experience in the marathon itself because I hope to uh, be in contention for that Olympic team in 2020.
0: Yeah well and I love I love that um, that you are pretty open about your dream um, about you know like I, I, I think that it, it's very um, admirable and inspiring when people say this is my dream this is my goal and you know I I don't care um you know how like you know lofty it might seem like for you that's not a lofty dream at all um but just it is it's a lofty dream I mean I think it's a lofty I honestly (laughs) when I look at when I look at all of the people who probably are hoping to be in contention it's pretty lofty for everybody right because you just i mean there's so many variables that come into play with running um but i'm always most inspired by the runners who just put it out there and say this is what i want to do um because i think it kind of makes it easier for like us like mortal runners to kind of do the same thing um And I just think that it's just such an authentic way to, um, to live, you know, your life, especially about something that you're so passionate about. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I know it's a lofty goal. I know it's going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy road and nothing that I've ever accomplished has been easy with running. And so if I put my goal out there at least I have more support from other people who can help remind me of my goal. And whenever I start to forget it or I lose sight of it, I have people there saying, oh, hey, remember this? Like, Mm -hmm. you're gonna do this. Or, you know, this, keep working hard because we believe in you. And that's a lot of the reason why I wanna put it out there is because I like sharing the goal and feeling the support from others um, because that helps keep me inspired as I work towards it. And of course, I have, you know, that as a major goal. Hey, I want to make an Olympic team, Mm -hmm. but so does like so many other people. Um, And so I know that there's only three people who are going to make that team. And hey, if I show up on that day and I run my very best race, I'm going to be completely satisfied because if I give it 110%, I can't be disappointed. And that's something that I think is really important for anyone, Mm -hmm. no matter what your goal is, is if you can maximize you on that day, then you'll never be disappointed. And that's always my goal when I go into a race, because there's so many factors I can't control. Um, I think Shalane's a perfect example of this is that Mm -hmm. she was ready and she gave it her best shot and she capitalized on the day. And when she won New York this year, it was because yes, she was fit and she'd put in the hard work, but she also got lucky because Mm -hmm. the favorites fell apart and she was there and she was able to really put the hammer down and take control. Um, And so you have to have so many pieces that are outside of your control come together as well as what you do control. So focusing on, you know, how can you be your best you on that day and all the preparation that goes into it, learning from your mistakes of the past and putting together, you know, your very best effort. And that's all you can do. And whether that means fifth place or first place or you know, wh- whatever you end up getting in your race. Um, if you can do that, then you can walk away happy.
0: Yes. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> like- um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's great. And um, I think that that's, you know, kind of, you know, one of the, Big pieces of why I, you know, have this podcast in the first place is that I like to um, talk to people who sort of have that motto about their lives in general, which is that um, you know nothing is a given, and anything that's worth working for is hard and uncomfortable and challenging. And even with all of those things said, there's no guarantee that you know it's going. You're going to have the result that you want, but. If you don't put yourself out there and if you don't put in the hard work, then it is guaranteed that it's not going to happen. Exactly. Um, and so I think that I think that um, that's, you know, why I wanted to have you as a guest because I was <laughs> like, I really feel like she kind of embodies this, you know, feeling. Um, and so I think that that's great. Um, so coming up, are you planning on marathon anytime soon or –
1: At this point, I am hoping to do a spring marathon. Mm -hmm. I am not making any race plans for another month because I'm just regaining consistency with training again and building a base and all of that. And I want to have enough training under me me, that I feel confident in uh, working towards a race. Mm. So I don't like to rush back, um, you know, dealing with that tendonitis issue in the fall, um, I recognized that I think part of why it popped up was because I felt the stress of upcoming races, and I have to be ready for them, so I need to rush fitness, and that's never feeling and I never do my best whenever I'm trying to force my body to do something it's not quite ready to do. So that was a learning experience for me is realizing, Hey, you know, you shouldn't race within the first two to three months of your base training because, um, you're going to be forcing workouts and forcing fitness that just shouldn't happen as quickly as, um, you're trying to make it. And so I am not putting any races on the calendar until January at this point.
0: Nice. Well, um, I have a standard list of questions for the end of the show, um, and I, when I moved up here, I forgot my list, um, but I, I, I know my questions. Um, <laughs> like, I promise I know them. Um, so um, the first question is, when, what does being a woman mean to you?
1: This is a really interesting question for me because <laughs> – mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like to make it seem like I'm different or a, you know, a minority or something like that. (laughs) Um, And so when, when you ask what does being a woman mean to me, I don't really think it necessarily has anything um, to do with being a woman, but Mm -hmm. being your best you is so essential. And, I think as women, we definitely face challenges, um, and difficulties that men don't, um, rather focusing on, you know, those situations. Uh, the first thing that pops in mind is for me, which has been a a really big challenge, um, is I have two goals. I want to make an Olympic team as a marathoner and I want to have a family and they don't coincide. Like the second I get pregnant, I will most likely lose my contract, which means I'm no longer working, which means I'm no longer really a professional runner. (laughs) And then... Will I be able to come back? I don't know. We have great athletes who are out there who are moms, um, but there's always that concern of, you know, will my body be able to do what it's doing now? And will I want to do it when I have, you know, other stresses and when I have a human, a small human to raise and, you know, teach about the world? So I think that's a really big challenge that women face. But rather than focusing on these difficulties that being a woman um, entails, focusing more on the daily opportunities that we have to shine and live fully.
0: I like that. Um, I I like that a lot. Um, What are you chasing
1: Honestly, I just did a video on this and it was (laughs) basically called like chasing possibilities. I want to see what's possible. And that's honestly my biggest motivation is... If I can be better tomorrow than I was today, where is that going to lead me? And what am I, as a human being, capable of doing? And, you know, there's a lot of really difficult things in the sport right now. A lot of really frustrating circumstances regarding performance-enhancing drugs and people racing who are under suspicion. And it's really challenging um, to have to race these people and uh you know to be constantly in question you know did i really finish 8th at the new york city marathon or would i have finished higher if it was an even playing field i don't know um but all i can do is focus on what are my possibilities and if i can be my best me then I'm going to be really happy with that. And so I just want to see what I'm capable of doing. And so that's what I'm chasing, chasing, you know, what I think is possible.
0: Okay. And finally, what is so far the bravest thing that you've had to do?
1: (sighs) That, I think probably takes me to my preparation for the Boston Marathon because I had so many things go wrong during that buildup. I started the buildup coming off of a uh, foot injury and things were just not clicking right. Um, And so it led to my glute not firing, which led to sciatica issues, which led to a, uh, issue with, um, my sesamoid bones in my foot and ended up having to take a few weeks off during my preparation because of these little injuries. And then a month out from Boston, I got the world's worst blister on the bottom (laughs) of my foot. And I literally would cry the first mile of every run because it was just ripping my blister open. And to this day, I do not know how I did not get an infection. Like it was literally through almost every layer of skin. Um, And I had to take the insole out of my shoe and cut a circle in it because it was right on my arch. And so that way, like the blister would fit through the circle so that it wouldn't put as much pressure on it. Um, It was just awful. I would run with like a vial of Vaseline in my sports bra and every few miles stop and apply Vaseline to like, try and ease the friction on the blister. Um, And so I mentally had to push through every single run for the last four weeks leading up to the marathon and towing that line was like, I was almost at a point where I was just like, I'm, it's such a relief to just be here. Um, And to, compete as well as I did, I had to be so brave every single step because I had gone through so many circumstances to get to that starting line that once I got there, I was like, okay, you know, you need to prove to yourself that this was all worth it. And that was probably the scariest part because when I finished that race, I could have done a workout two days later, I physically was not sore. I didn't have any feelings that I had everyone had told me how you feel after you run a marathon, but I emotionally was so tired. And I think that's where the bravery came in was I had to talk myself through so much of that buildup and that whole race.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that um, from the outside, we see, uh, we see the performance and we see like the smiling face crossing the finish line <laughs> and we, we see all the like post-race pictures. exactly. Um, and, and I think it's so easy to forget that behind that performance, there was probably, you know, just so much that we don't know about and, um, that, that particular athlete, that particular human had to go through to get themselves to that place. Um, and, and so I, I like that you told that story because I think that it helps, maybe it might help people to, you know, when they're watching athletic performances to also think to themselves, okay, I'm watching this performance right now, but, you know, I bet that there's a whole backstory that I don't even know about that is really what is making this athlete so brave and so incredible. Um, so I, I think that's great. I think that's a great uh, thing mm. to end on. Um, awesome. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry that it was a little glitchy.
1: Oh, no
0: worries at all. I was long for the ride. All right, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Neely. If you heard anything that we talked about during the show that you were interested in learning more about, it's easy. You can go to my website, www.chasingbravery.com. There, click on the tab, podcast. And it will bring you to a page with all of my guests that I've had on the show so far. If you click on Neely's picture, it'll bring you to a blog post that contains all of the information that we talked about in a really consumable format. So there are links to research articles. There are links to websites with any of the products that we discussed. It's all right there. It's like a super amped up version of the show notes and it's right at your fingertips. Some other ways to find out more about what's going on with the podcast or learn a little bit more about me are to follow me on social media, ChasingBravery06 for both my Instagram and my Facebook. Again, that's ChasingBravery06. All right, everybody. I hope that you have a great week. And remember, whatever you're chasing, chase bravely.